a star. Vegas at the NFR. NFR Extra is a podcast dedicated to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons and personalities that embody the Western lifestyle. I never did do that. I've only broke the barrier out there like four times out of 199 runs. Oh, so really? I, I score different than a lot of people. You know, I, my dad always told me we go early because you could always pull. And, you know, once you nod and you're late at Thomas and Mac, I mean, it's, it turns pretty hairy and pretty sketchy pretty quick. You know, you can always pull. You can't, you can't never push, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the first world title always, you know, be the most meaningful because, you know, everybody wants to be a world champion. You know, every every person that pursued something, you know, and then to finally get that, not I'll say finally, I mean, I, I worked my way to it. It wasn't really a finally thing. And, you know, then when I got it pulled off, it's the most meaningful one because, you know, like I said, you, you dream your whole life to be one and then, what, like 2% really actually do become one, you know, so... To conquer that, you know, that's and then that's what fueled me to, to go on and be become what I became in rodeo. This is pro rodeo announcer Andy Seiler, and you are listening to NFR Extra. So what what's a day in the life of Cody Ole like right now? Well, I took on a job uh, with, with Jerry Nelson, who's my boss, uh, Frontier Rodeo Company. So. Um, we just been piecing together a bunch of nice young horses and uh, just training them every day. And then uh, on top of that, you know, either morning or evening, I plan around it, you know, as far as my training. I'm doing lots of private lessons, doing lots of girl breakaway lessons, et cetera, you know. So that that's about it, you know, and just raising my own kids and, and being there for them and, and uh, teaching them all this, the little tricks. And then Sailor's a senior this year. I want to go. That's kind of the balancing everything with the family and with the new job and the career. But I want to go back to the drive that you had back on the coming onto the scene as a new young gun is what was your drive and your determination and how did that get instilled in you? You know, it's funny you say that because just thinking back on it, um, there wasn't really any drive in me. Like I, I, I'd been at the top of my age groups, you know, and then when I'd go into a new age group as a, as a young kid and then all the way through high school, I was, it always, I always stepped up to the challenge and, you know, I was, you know, very prosperous all the way through. And then once I got my card, you know, it wasn't one of the deals where growing set on a, being a champion, you know, like, it, it wasn't a big topic. It seemed like, like it is today nowadays and, and the kids goals and stuff and all that. I just, I just knew that I had a chance to make it, you know, and I knew I had a chance to become one of the best, but it really wasn't a, really wasn't a deal where it fired me up to be a world champion. You know, I, I because I gave it all I had every time I practiced, every time I roped, every time I thought about it, I gave it up my all, you know? So I can just remember my rookie year in 94, you know, I rodeoed, first with Roy Cooper and then Strand Smith was with us. And then, you know, I bounced around a little bit and then I ended up with Lionel Mangle and Jim Bob Mays. And, you know, it was, 
it, it was before cell phones. It was before all the, you know, stuff we had access to now. And, and so, you know, we'd go weeks and weeks and, and, you know, you'd get to a feed store or something. And then I was living the life that I wanted to live. And I gave my whole life to, to be able to live that. And I really didn't even know where I was at. I was just enjoying what I was doing and, and having a lot of success at it. And it wasn't like we kept up with it. So like we rock on there for a little while. And I remember going to the store with Lanham and he opens up on him sports news and he says, Holy crap, man, you're, you're in the top 10 in the world. And, you know, and then I just steadily climbed, you know, I moved up to fifth or sixth and then I ended up, I think going in fourth, you know, and it was just, it was just one of them deals where we were just living, living the life that we love to live and was, you know, blessed to be able to be good enough to to make a great living at it and that's you know that's what kept me going and and kept me inspired but then you know every year for me just better you know i missed the world championship be a little small mistakes in 96 but i I set myself up for a a smooth start in 97 and then you know off we went and so and you know the first world championships it's it's always yeah, the first world title will always, you know, be the most meaningful because, you know, everybody wants to be a world champion, you know, every every person that pursued something, you know, and then to finally get that, not I'll say finally, I mean, I, I worked my way to it. It wasn't really a finally thing. And, you know, and then when I got it pulled off, it's the most meaningful one because, you know, like I said, you, your dream your whole life to be one and then what, like 2% really actually do become one, you know, so to conquer that, you know, that's, and then that's what fueled me to, to go on and be, become what I became in rodeo. So talk to us a little bit about the, the differences, because obviously in July with ProCom going down, uh, a lot of the, the new ways had to revert back to what you guys just saw as, as common stance. So, you know, what, what was it like jumping in the truck with those guys and, finding the next pay phone to make sure that you got entered upright at your next rodeo. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. You know, like I, you know, I was really young and, and I didn't, I didn't overthink that because at that point, like Lanham, he, he was like, he took full charge of most of all of that, you know? And then, so when I, you know, the year after that, when I started rodeo and was Fred, you know, we, you know, he was taking care of all the entering, but we, we did stuff together, you know, we were together nonstop. And so I can just remember just, you know, having to drive a hundred miles an hour to, to enter a rodeo that, you know, we, we got somewhere and it didn't, you know, maybe there was 10 people in line at a payphone, and you, you didn't have time to sit there and wait. You tried to have to try to make it to the next town that entered Cheyenne or, or get the callbacks or try to get a trade before the deadline. I mean, I just remember how many small towns, that we'd have to stop at on our way to a big rodeo, you know, just to, just to try to get entered at a rodeo, you know, and I, I'm, I'm just kind of glad they had to go through it a little bit. Cause they have really, they have no idea, you know, and then somebody posted a picture of Fred the other day, you know, and I know I was with him because it, that was the rig that we had had when, when uh, we were together, you know, he had a, a Dodge truck with a big old nice camper and a nice bumper pull white trailer. And so, it showed him sitting at a payphone in his shorts, you know, and it's entering book in his lap. And, you know, we're just pulled over on the side of the road somewhere, you know, and, it's, and 
hell, I might be watering the horses or doing whatever, and he's doing what he feels like he's, you know, the best at on our team, you know. And uh, just the hours that we've spent, you know, just parked and, and entering rodeos, I mean, that's that was nuts to have to do it that way. So we, we all grew up watching those old NFRs, whether it was on tape, on TV, or in person, and we heard – the announcers and everybody talk about this huge rivalry between you and Fred and Joe at times. I mean, was it really a rivalry or was that just something we like to talk about to sell more tickets? You know, it was just something that become, you know, like I don't call it a rivalry. I call it the, the damnest duo that there will ever, there will never be, you know, like I, I, I don't say that just cause it's myself or Fred. I mean, you know, they, they want to compare, things you know to us and there, there's no comparison there'll never be a comparison uh because of the because of all the match ropings and stuff that you know that we had to take part in and you know san angelo being the you know there's not really any other match roping that counts in this whole world other than san angelo roping fiesta you know because of the conditions and the cattle and the horsepower and the horsemanship so you know we we rodeoed in the same like I had just messaged him like three days ago, just like, and I've done it before, but just, you know, I just thank him for, you know, my dad created a hell of a work ethic in me, but, you know, like just in his presence and being around him, you know, he, he cleaned, he took pride in cleaning his stalls better than anybody. He, he took pride and before we got to the rodeo, washing his rig, you know, his, his appearance, you know, his clothes being clean, his, you know, you go somewhere, you look sharp, you know, you, you want that presence, you know, and you want people to take notice of it, you know, and then, you know, it didn't matter. Just everything that he did, he took, you know, ultimate pride and it just made us better. And then, you know, us competing against each other every day and we're in the same rig, you know, and it went in first and second. And then I would win first, he would win second, you know, just day in and day out, just making each other better. And then me being younger, you know, like I told him in this text, he's like, you know, at times I felt like I was his little brother, you know, like that's, that's how much stuff he'd done for me. And then, then all the stuff that I'd learned from him, just being with him and watching him and, and joining in and, and doing things, you know? Yeah, that's, and that, so that's, yeah. that's what I mean. I wouldn't call it a rivalry. I just, I mean, it's just the best guy won that day. You know, it wasn't really a rivalry. Like for five or six years, we we're literally in the same truck and trailer a whole year long, you know, and, and, uh, rooting for each other and, and, you know, one, two punching them everywhere, you know? So what happened with regards to establishing such a dominance at the NFR? I mean, that's like the culmination of all your year and then, you know, going with those guys in the best and having Fred in the truck and moving forward. But what do you accredit 52 wins at the Thomas and Mac to? I, I mean, I credit to, I, I took started taking pride in it because I, even even today, you know, I, I know that however fast somebody might have been in a go around and you leave he, he or I to the last ropers of the go around, they, I don't care if somebody tied one and five, nine, I promise you that person until he or I roped did not feel one ounce safe that that we couldn't have beat them at any time you mm. know what i mean so yeah. it just turned in you know like like I, I was just 
I think about a lot of things during the day, but like Caleb Smith right now, you know, with his family and loving to be home and ranching and doing all that, it's kind of, he's getting a dose of what I went through. Like, you know, he wants to be there for whatever his kids are involved in. And he, he's dominated, you know, he's won three or four average world or, and then three or four average championships and four world championships. And, you know, Calgary, I mean, it just gets to where, yeah, you want to set all the records and you want the most gold buckles, but then it almost turns into, you know, you don't want to miss all that family time. Well, then it turns into a game like it did with me. Like how left can I go to, to, to make the finals and yeah. still have a chance at a world championship? It, it turned into more of a game to me doing that than it did to, you know, like people ask me about world championships. If I told you in December that I was going to be the world champion the next year, you could just, you could just mark my words, you know, cause I knew that I was going to, I was going to give it more. I was going to get to more rodeos. I was going to practice more. I was going to do all the things to become the world champion. I, you know, if I missed it by a few nickels, just because I felt like I missed 10 or 12 rodeos during the year that I probably shouldn't have, but I didn't want to be there because I wanted to be at home with my kids, you know? So if I'd made my mind up after a year like that, that I was going to win it, I would win it, you know? So, you know, and it wouldn't be like one of them deals where it come to the 10th round. If I wanted to win it, I want it, you know? So that, that's, that's the deals that mean the most to me. And then like I said, the, the game of, the game of inches where I can stay home and make it in 35 rodeos, you know, stuff like that. But as far as the go arounds out there, I mean, I, every night is a, I treated it like a separate rodeo. I didn't treat it like anything else. You know, like my dad always told me, you know, if you win every round, you're going to win the average, you know? <laughs> so It's pretty simple math. You know, everybody just, yeah. And everybody just always thought I was just a, you know, live or die by the sword and, win first or go completely out of the average. I won. I mean, I grew up winning averages, year ends, all that stuff. Well, that, that's consistency and that's, that's average, you know? Yeah. So it wasn't that. I just, if you put $18,000 in front of me, I'm going for first, I'm not going for third, you know? And then, you know, just for instance, now that it pays so much, you know, people thought that the money being added to a greater amount would, would make the events better. Well, in the way I go about it is it didn't make it better. Yeah. You got a couple of guys that go for first every time still, but it made it where a guy could just be and have an average night every night and leave there with a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I mean, you, you let me run at $30,000. I'm going to try to win $30,000 every night. I'm not trying to win $20,000 every night if it pays 30, you know? So, and even with that, you know, you get a guy that goes, you know, he weighs his options. He's he's got to be he's got to be seven one to win a world championship, or he's got to be eight three to win the average. I'm gonna I'll jeopardize an average for a gold buckle any day of the week, and then that's that's what Fred would do as well. You know, we there was no layups just to just to collect a seventy thousand dollar average check when there was a chance for a gold buckle. You know? Right. Did you, do you, I mean, not that I don't think it really mattered, but like your mindset of you're going to go there in there to win. Did you have a preference on, I kind of want to see what, how these calves are running or see what the time is set, or I want to be first and put the heat on everybody else. 
You know, you know, it really didn't matter. I, I would always go in there just to watch just a handful of guys. You know, it, it, I knew who I needed to watch, you know, and, and, and try to get a little motivation off of it. And then, you know, the first few years, you know, the, the timed events were like the rough stock, you know. If you got started off good early in the week, well, you, you were held to the last ropers, you know. So, as, you know, like when Fred and I started dominating, that was still like that. And then after about two years, you know, they, they'd done away with it because it was, it was like we had a, you know, we had an advantage because we got the go last, you know. Yeah. So I, I've won a lot of go rounds out there being the very first roper because I just go at it the same every, every night. You know, like some people say the first three rounds are a little safer and, and they, they see more at the start. I, I never did do that. I, I've only broke the barrier out there like four times out of 199 runs. Oh, so, really? Wow. You know, I, yeah, and I've, I've I've kept it I've kept it real. You know, like Trevor, I've I've made him actually break the barrier some because I, I score different than a lot of people. You know, I, my dad always told me, you know, we go early because you can always pull, and you know, once you nod and you're late at Thomas and Mac, I mean, it's it turns pretty hairy and pretty sketchy pretty quick. You know, you can always pull. You can't, you can't never push, you know? Yeah. Let's take a quick pause, and we'll be right back. Want to relive the best NFR moments from the last 37 years? We've got you covered at NFRexperience.com. Check out the NFR History tab at the website for a walk, or should we say gallop, down memory lane. You'll find images, recaps, and videos from the greatest moments from the last 37 years in Las Vegas. From Ty Murray to Trevor Brazil, Louis Field to Casey, Charmaine James to Mary Berger, Fred Whitfield to Joe Beaver, and everything in between, you'll find it here. There's something for all rodeo fans. Check it out at NFRexperience.com because legacies and memories are made in Vegas. Speaking of go rounds, are you surprised that that six and five is still the record? You know, after I watch these runs and stuff, you know, like for instance, uh, Trevor, he drew the when he we tied he tied my record first. You know, I I was there, I was there flanking bulls that year at the finals, and so I was actually on the buck and shoot by the, the by the center alley there and watch it. You know, and that's. I craved that kind of calf that he drew. That's what I wanted to draw every night. One that I had to hit the barrier on, and the calf has zero tricks, but he, he leaves there running sharp so I could take a sharp a start as I wanted to. You know, I, I know for sure a couple of times there that, I, I mean, honestly, I, I felt like I could be six flat, you know, and I just had a little bit of something go wrong, just barely, you know, got me off of that goal of mine. But – you know, the last go around out there, you know, when, when my calf walked out of the chute in 2013 and they didn't give me a rerun, you know, I, I honestly texted Jeff Metters. I said, I will be six, three tonight. I mean, that's, that's, that was my ultimate goal. That was what, when I nodded my head, I don't, I didn't care if eight, nine was one in the go round. I told him I was going to be six, three, you know, and I, I was, you know, six, six and, you know, just three tenths off of it. But, you know, that was my mindset and, you know, I, and that's the way I went about it every night. So, um, like I said, going back to the six, five, you know, both Shad and I, you know, we drew good 
I had a lot more on the line, you know, than he did. You know, like, they're going to get the record because you get guys like him or Riley. If, if something happens, they go out of the average. They're just going to try to beat the record. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be an eight-second go-around winning it. And when those guys go, that just turns into trying to beat the record then, you know. And so they're going to – somebody's going to get it pretty soon. And then – but like I said, like Trevor's calf started to sharp, ran, you know, and he maxed him out and was 6'5". And it, it just looked sharper that way than like Shad and I. Both our calves were a little bit off the pace, so we kind of had to stay with our horse a little bit longer and and kind of set the go up a little bit, which Trevor, he could just kind of throw it and go. And so the, two of the runs were almost identical, and then like Trevor's was – as a calf like I like to draw so but if they hadn't beat it yet I mean it's that's a hell of a run in my books you know yeah that's unreal well that's I mean with all of the accomplishments that you've had throughout your entire career you can be a legend in the sport of rodeo but what does it mean to you when you hear your name and icon of rodeo well it's just I know what I put into it you know what I mean it's an icon is, you know, I know, for you know, being in the Hall of Fame, that's an icon, you know. But as far as just the Thomas and Mac being an icon, you know, I, I went there not only just for myself to win, but to get people out of their seats and get them on their feet. You know, I, I've I've had at least six or seven full house standing ovations. You know, that that that's what drove me. That's what I wanted. I wanted, I wanted to become, you know, one of the greats, but I was also, you know, I don't like to rope in the slack because I consider myself an entertainer. I mean, I said, you know, George Strait probably doesn't sing very good at seven in the morning. Doesn't sound very good either. And, you know, and I, and I know for sure you can give me the same calf at eight in the morning and I'll be a half a second slower than I would be if you put me in a performance in a packed house and, you know, I, with every eye on me, I'm going to give you more than, more than what I'm, you know, I'm going to dig a little deeper. I'm going to, cause that's holding me accountable. You know, like in the slack, there's 20 people watching, you know, and it's not really that big a deal to me, but she put me in a packed house and, you know, one of the best announcers in the world and lighting my fire, it, you're going to get the best Cody Hill you can you can imagine. Yeah, that's kind of the whole uh, energy is neither created nor destroyed, but passed from one organism to another, and and you you create that energy. Sure. People feel that energy, and you get rolling on that, and it's just a bouncing back and forth, and it's hard to contain when you see something spectacular that uh, you know is right in front of your eyes. Yeah, sure. You know, and like with Bob and Boyd, both you know, and I, I call it, you know, it's not really what in the Bob's prime, but you mix Boyd in there when he was. You know, those guys, I mean, they're always going to be the greats in my mind, but at times they were actually better together than they are now. You know, like it's just, it just kind of gets more mellow and mild, but this is when they first started kind of collaborating and working together. Right. You know, I could ride in there and it might, might have had a little bit of hell in a couple of rounds, you know, when I didn't place and then it never it never failed. You know, one of them will just lit my fire past lighting my fire. You know, they didn't, they didn't throw a pint of gas on me. They threw a whole bucket, you know, and, and from that point on, you know, I was going to get that round for sure. I mean, you done, you done fired me up past winning first, you know, you, you, you made me win the round by a half second. <laughs> so, um, 
So in those guys uh, being a performer and them guys being on their best made me a better performer every time, you know, I was blessed to be in their presence as well. So in two decades of competing at the NFR, is there one memory that stands out above the rest? Uh, you know, just the night I set the record because I had to, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like uh, I didn't have anything to lose. I had it all on the line. I mean, I didn't, I had to, you know, I had to, I had to put the, the hammer down, you know? And so, and to do set the record on the, on the biggest stage like that. And in the world championship on the line, you know, and not just, just a go around win. Cause I went out the average or I didn't have a world championship on the line. You know, that night was unreal, you know, and the way that, you know, the roof come off that place when everybody erupted, you know, and, and, and they had already kind of had a little teaser to it, you know, because Jerome's calf got up to be six seven for the record. So they, we already had the, we already had them on the edge of their seat, you know. And by the time I roped, you know, that nobody had already relaxed, you know, it was, they were expecting some greatness, you know, and, and to serve it up on a platter like that, it was, that's unreal. It was pretty special. Yeah. That's absolutely unreal. And, you know, the energy in that, in the Thomas and Mac is pretty spectacular, but then you have moments like that with the buildup and then the delivery of said performance, it's very, very hard to contain. Now, wait a minute with all these, with all these horses and stuff that you're training, you're, you're not planning a comeback. Are you, you know, I I don't, I'm not saying I'm not, you know, I've got some great horses. I got, I actually got a daughter, 10 year old daughter right now of uh, that great mare that I rode a Sid Miller's uh, Pearl. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they, her name's Benny Pearl, and you know how it is. They, all the years they'd say, "Oh man, you need to come ride this horse." I got the next Pearl. Well, they didn't have the next nothing, you know. So I rode this mare a couple of months ago, and and I just had to actually unsaddle her in the return alley because there was nobody here to rope. So I just run a calf up and down, and she was like riding a clone. I mean, I had to unsaddle her right then. I mean, the, the hair on my arms was standing up. I mean, like the feeling she gave me, you know, I don't know if I could make it, you know, I'd like to give it a try, but I mean, I just been going to some amateur rodeos and then trying to work my way back from, you know, all my health issues and stuff. But I, I really don't, I really don't think I can, I, to be dead honest, you know, and, and it's not something I'm going to spend a lot of time stealing time away from my daughter and my boys and stuff to, you know, where they're at the point in their life, they're needing me to push them as well, you know, and then, and for me not to be there as much, it's probably not going to happen. So I'm blessed to have a great job. I make good money. I'm doing what I love to do and, and here every night for my kids, my family, uh, it's, it's just life couldn't be much better right now. And, you know, I just think that it's going to be a lot of time away from home and still my, Kind of steal my piece, you know? Yeah. Cody, I I got one more question from you. And talking to you about being on the biggest rodeos, on the biggest platforms, on legendary and iconic levels, what is it like going back and doing amateur rodeos? You know, I've kind of learned, you know, like, because I never amateur rodeoed, you know. I went to a handful, yeah, just to to enter them, just to enter them. But, you know, there's actually – I probably went to 20 amateur rodeos this year with my daughter and, and I didn't compete at a few of them, but there's actually six or eight that I would, that I would go to still again and enter them all over again, because I got some good energy off of them. I had fun. 
you know, they had a packed house, you know, they had a, a decent announcer, you know, like it, it was kind of feeding me what I was been missing, you know, and there's a lot of them that I would never freaking enter again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like it felt like I was at a 1980 amateur rodeo because it was the same arena they built in 1960 and, you know, just a so-so fan base. And, you know, it was just like, man, I don't want to be here. We you know, got, just like we got the chicken pluck. of the rodeos yeah. I went at later in my career, man, it, I don't enter this rodeo because I don't want to be here. You know? Yeah. Do you, and, uh, do you get more nervous? Damn sure. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I do. It's funny what you were going to say. Cause I was just fixing to say that. Like I've actually shared the horse weather at four or five rodeos, my old buckskin. So I'd have to, I was, I'd always hope that, that I roped first before her because i mean i would be ringing wet by the time <laughs> i had to get myself ready because i'm just you know i'm so invested in her and i'm so proud of her and i mean i just i want the best for her and i just i get so worked up and i overthink and and i do all those things you know you know it's almost easier for me to compete first and then and then let her get on and do her thing but you know the other night it was probably our best night together uh, at Sonora at the pro road, not the pro rodeo, the amateur rodeo, but it was like the old days. I mean, like it was like at a big pro rodeo because it was, it was packed like it used to be when bad company had it. And we all, we all entered it. And, uh, uh, like I said, it was a packed house and she had to rope before me. And I mean, just blows her a start. And, and she's actually riding many Pearl as well. Blows her a start and makes best run. She's probably, you know, she won third, but she probably made the best run and the prettiest loop and everything just come together like we'd been working at for years. And, you know, I was just eat up with pride, you know. So then then I, I'm wanting to win the rodeo with her. But, like, she won third. And I had a, probably a chance to win first. And then I, I, I just took an extra swing to kind of be a little safe. But I was just so – my mind really wasn't on my run as much as I, I really needed it to be because I, my inner peace was so amazing because I'd run a couple of calves on that mare in the practice pen that morning. And the very last calf that I run was her identical run on that mare and me, me setting that mare up to, to, to make her better for Sailor that night. You know, not for me. I could get by with less, but – I set that mare up for her to be her best for Sailor that night, and her calf actually ran the same pattern as that very last calf I ran that day, and it was actually my best my best run on that mare that day. And so for all that to play out the way it did and then to see her succeed because of me helping that mare that morning set that play up and then had no clue that you know she was going to draw a calf identical to that in the same setup is that you know I was almost still just caught up in how awesome her night just was and I let winning first kind of slip by because I'm still kind of in that moment of her you know right that that's a winning first right there just in that deal and the yeah, inner peace yeah, and everything I mean, else I, that was you know I ended up placing you know like fifth but it was one of them deals like it was a perfect night because she had a perfect night you know yeah that's awesome and then and then it was fun driving home because, you know, I didn't win much money. She won like 13, 1400 and I went a couple of hundred, but it was like, we both 
she chattered the whole way home, you know, just that meant so much to her for us to both have a good night the same night. And then uh, her fixing to start school, she had her best night of the whole summer. So it was, it was a very blessed night. Well, speaking of blessings, it's, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Cody, and we appreciate your time and, and we can't wait to see you when you come back out here to Vegas. Well, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, this, this icon deal is, is, just like the Hall of Fame, you know, just the icing on the cake to a well-baked cake, you know. And well-deserved at that. So we really appreciate you and safe travels and have a good rest of your year, Cody. Yes, sir. You guys, too. Yes, appreciate sir. you. Yeah, thank you. Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcast. Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe.